The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Upon those who dwelt in the land of gloom, a light has shone. For the yoke that burdened them, the pole on their shoulder, and the rod of their taskmaster, you have smashed. I've been thinking a lot lately about the cross. Jesus on the cross. That in his incarnation, that um, God became a human being. And what happened to him was that we killed him. What happened to him was that he was rejected. That he came into darkness, into a world that was very dark. And yet we believe that this is the light that has arisen, that shone in the darkness. That this act of obedience, this act of self-sacrifice and love, is the thing that smashes our yoke of slavery to the very sin that caused this to happen. It's profound, if you think about it. Like, if we were going to get ready for God to become a little baby and to live a human life, and we were like, wow, that's going to happen. God's going to come to his people. He's going to visit us. He's going to teach us why he made us. He's going to show us the way home to heaven. What would you hope would happen? How would you hope that he'd be received? You know, in light of now, we know the end of the story. Could it be any worse? Could it have gone any worse? And not just in a way like, oh man, we really messed it up. I hope we can still salvage something out of this. He's dead <laughs> on Good Friday. We lay him in a tomb. And Holy Saturday, it's just dark. The light that rose, the gloom seems to have overtaken it. And yet, it's true. The light does arise. The dawn comes. The resurrection is real. That somehow, mysteriously, in God's plan, this was the best thing that could have happened. That now we can live no longer under the delusion that if we just all work together, maybe we could make this world a better place. Or, you know, maybe we can still salvage something out of this. Uh, Or it it could always be worse. (laughs) That illusion has to go out the window with the cross. Because it could not be any darker. It could not be any more hopeless. And yet there's hope. And yet we put this up triumphantly in our churches and hang it around our necks. Because it's the sign of God's love for us. That no matter how dark it gets, no matter how dysfunctional we are, that he loves us and he's coming to save us. This is why Christians can always have hope and why they must always have hope. A friend of mine once said, to lose hope is against the Catholic rules. To just like throw up your hands and be like, it's, it's hopeless. I guess the world is doomed. That's against the rules. Because the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. That the yoke of, of our slavery, the rod of our taskmaster, the pole that was on our back has been smashed. And now we're free. And how long did we labor? Think about that. I mean, the prophecy in Isaiah, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. That's not just like, wow, we sat through all of Holy Saturday to get to Easter Sunday. That's a long time, 24 hours. How about thousands and thousands and thousands of years? 
How long have we been assassinating God? Since Cain and Abel. Since the very beginning. And God did not give up. He offered us covenants. He offered us his friendship. He offered us his faithfulness. And even as we kept failing and falling and laboring under this yoke of slavery, he never gave up. And finally he came and he just smashed it for good. And now we can live in the glorious light and wear the yoke of the children of God, freedom. But we have to choose it. And we have to realize that that hope comes from Jesus or it's not hope at all. Jesus is the light. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whatever darkness may be in our lives, sometimes it has to get so dark that it does finally smash our yoke. It finally does smash that yoke of self-reliance, that illusion that I could just, maybe I can salvage this, maybe I can make something good out of this without God's help, without completely crying out from the darkness and saying, God, help me. Save us. We need you. We need a Savior. Pope Benedict, who just died a few weeks ago, may he rest in peace, in his first encyclical, Deus Caritas asks, God is love. In the first paragraph, he says this extremely important um, statement. He says, Being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. What he's saying is that you don't become a Christian by reading the internet, all the life philosophies that one could have, and saying, that one seems the best to me. Or that seems like a a noble way to live. I want to do that. I think that that's the one I choose. It's not about that. It's not an ethical choice. It's not an idea. It's an encounter with an event, a person that gives life a new and decisive direction, that now you're going in a different direction. And that's what happens to Peter and James and John and Andrew, these fishermen who get called by the light into a new horizon to become fishers of men. They don't know what that's going to mean for their lives, where it's going to bring them, but they somehow, they see this light and they're like, yeah, these nets don't matter anymore. (laughs) This boat doesn't matter anymore. Even James and John, the sons of Zebedee, say, Zebedee, sorry, you don't even matter anymore. What matters is you, Jesus, this light I've seen. It's calling me out of darkness. And these guys get to see him at his best. James and John and Peter go up the mountain in Mount Tabor and see Jesus transfigured. Remember the scene where the father, his voice comes from the cloud, says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Jesus is refulgent with light. He sees, they see Elijah and Moses standing next to him, talking to him about the, the Passover he's about to make, the crucifixion. They see this is the Son of God. Undoubtedly. I can't deny my eyes. I've seen it. But then he comes down the mountain, and they also see him nailed to a cross with an accusation above his head, a humiliating mockery. This is the King of the Jews. Look at him. Even after he's risen from the dead, they see him in the upper room. Peter, James, John, Andrew, but all the rest of the twelve, besides Judas, they see him in the upper room. He says, peace be with you. He sees, they see his wounds in his hands and his feet, in his side, and they're overjoyed. They say, we've seen the Lord. And then, we don't know what happens. He kind of goes away, and then, like, as the week goes on, 
they're short, sort of shiftless and don't know what to do. And Peter just goes, I'm going fishing. And he goes back to Galilee, to the Sea of Galilee, to his boat, and they go fishing. And guess what happens? They don't catch anything. All night long they labor in the dark. And then the light rises. Jesus is on the shore. He says, my children, cast the net on the other side. And they recognize him. They go back. Peter jumps into the lake, swims to him. He says, my Lord. They've seen it both. They've, they've been in the light and they've been in the darkness. And that's a question, I guess, to ponder this morning is that hopefully you've seen the light. You, you've met Jesus. You've encountered this. And, and if you haven't, then we ask for that grace to to move in that direction, to, to let him call you out of darkness into the great light, into this new decisive direction, to give you that life of hope and smash the yoke of, of slavery. But what about when the darkness starts to creep back in? What about when you're like, maybe I'll just go fishing. Like, where is Jesus? <laughs> he was the light of my life, and now, I don't know, I feel like I, I don't know what direction to go or, or who to trust or, or, or what the next step is. Um, what happens when the darkness starts to creep in? We look at Jesus. It's the only answer. It can't, it's the only possible answer. Because he's the one that called us out in the first place. He is the light. So we stand at the cross in those moments. We see that there's no darkness that he hasn't entered into. We could not be experiencing any sort of alienation, any sort of sadness, any sort of gloom that God cannot handle and that he is not present with us in it. And when all seems lost and our failures seem the most unfixable and catastrophic, that could be the very moment he's snapping the yoke, that he's setting us free, finally, to live not in this yoke of slavery, but to live in the glorious freedom of the children of God.